the Hello Wonderful podcast, where we listen to awesome narratives from real humans from the queer community. Yes, real humans. Here's the host, me, Dr. Terry Darnax ID. Well, hello, you wonderful, amazing, fantastic people. Um, I am so happy to greet you today. Um, it is Wednesday, 29th of December. I, I am greeting you for the end of the year, 2021. Um, so um, I'm happy to greet you. And we have an awesome guest. Georgie Corkery is here. Georgie, where are you? Hi, I'm here. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yay. Um, Georgie is special because Georgie actually has her own podcast. And, <laughs> um, actually, I already used Georgie's pronouns, but um, Georgie, what are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm also happy to go by they, them, theirs. And I am stoked that you ask pronouns and have people introduce themselves because we do need to normalize it. And I hope we can do that in all professional and casual settings moving forward. Thank you so much. Um, and of course, I've said this before, but my pronouns are she, her, hers. Uh, Georgie, how do you feel about the end of the year approaching? Oh, that's a good question. Um, somewhat indifferent. Um, as I've grown up, holidays have become less important and therefore more fun um, for me because I put less pressure on them. Um, but I am doing something special. I'm leaving for Mexico tomorrow. Um, so that's going to be my New Year's. And that's why I'm looking forward to the end of the year is because I get to go on a little vacation. Mm, Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, Playa del oh, Carmen specifically. Oh, so. okay. See, I haven't been there. I've been to Cancun. I've it's to Cancun. just outside of Cancun. So right, I'm actually right? flying there and then taking like a 40-minute bus to Playa okay. del Carmen. Yeah, I remember it being close. I remember it being close. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I feel like it's not real Mexico because it's so... Touristy? It's so touristy. <laughs> but at least you get like the weather and the beach and the sand and the palm trees. Yeah, I've never been there to Mexico in general before, so I'm really excited for that. And I know that Cancun and Playa del Carmen are more touristy. A lot of direct flights go there. Apparently, there's a lot of Dutch people there because there's a direct flight from Amsterdam, and I'm Dutch. My family lives in the Netherlands, so that's <laughs> something I've been uh, told a lot recently, which I think is kind of fun. Um but it being more touristy, I guess I feel a little bit more comfortable because I know that I won't have to deal with the language barrier. And all growing up, I've, been, I've traveled and the language barrier was the scariest part for me. So there's a little bit of solace I take in knowing I'm going somewhere where people, I can understand people and people can understand me and I'm not going to get myself in trouble. Um with that language barrier. So that's okay. my silver lining for that. But I am nervous about it being super touristy. Like when I went to Barcelona, everyone's snapping in your face, trying to sell you shit. And that's not very fun. Same with Paris. That's 
that happens. Yeah, that happens in a lot of places. Um, you know, because we tend to travel quite frequently, and the whole selling the selling things in your face is really annoying. Yeah, when we travel together, we tend to try to stay out of the tourist areas unless we really want to see something like the Eiffel Tower. Oh my gosh, the con artist. You're just like, get away from me. I don't want to hurt, hold your bird. I don't want you to take a picture of me and I'm not going to pay for it. So please move on. It probably oh, no. doesn't help that you're, um, I think you're blonde with color in your hair, right? And yeah. Oh, me? Yeah, um, you. Yeah, I, I, I have well, currently. I have a lot of blonde in my hair, but it tends to be pink a lot. Yeah, yeah, which I love, by the way. Yes. Pink is my it's, favorite color. Oh, thank you. Right now, it is it is blonde with a slight um, gold tone to it, like rose gold. Okay, right now, that's what oh, it is. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, but I, but yeah, I, I, I stand out. Blonde, can, people are like, oh that person is going to be easy to target. And you're like, yeah. can you please stop? I think that traveling is um, extremely essential. I love to travel. Um, I think it's, um, for me, it is a healthy coping skill. Yeah. Yeah. I love <laughs> That's doing a good way it. to put it. It's a coping <laughs> mechanism for real life. I get to check out for a little bit and see the rest of the world and come back knowing that it exists. And therefore I can like move forward in my life knowing that there's still more to explore. It is. I think it's extremely healthy. Um, well, despite the COVID problem right now. Yeah. And that's um, something that does make me very nervous, but you can only, um, I don't know, isolate for so long. Yeah. And you got to live life a little bit. So as long as you're safe and not being an asshole and disregarding other people's safety, I think, you know, I feel comfortable going on a trip every once in a while. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I have to go to Florida next week, and I, I tend to have to go to Florida pretty often because I have a location down there, a practice location. Oh. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I have um, Chicago Psych Therapy is here in Chicago, and I have Gulf Coast Psych Therapy in Florida. Okay. Um, so I have to go down there to to help manage network and stuff like that. And, um, so when I go on Sunday, I'm going to be wearing my KN95 and it's going to be, look, oh, <laughs> yep. And yep. I'm going to be like, this mask is not coming off. Yeah. That I did hear that, um, where I'm going, Clyde Carmen, people are really good about masks and mm, that's good. they're COVID uh, conscious, which it, I wasn't expecting that. And I'm really happy to hear it because I've been a little um paranoid lately with the whole omicron i think i said that right i don't know (laughs) i've been calling it omnicorn and omnihorn Ooh, i like omnicorn omnicorn yes omnicorn is good i was calling it omnihorn and then putting my horns on my head and like (laughs) attacking people people with it That's great. I like that. You better watch it makes out. it a little bit more palatable. You better watch out. I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'd rather you get me than actual COVID, so bring all the horn. I was being really obnoxious with it. <laughs> I love that. Omnicorn, Omnihorn, um, um, Omnisharn, um, 
If I was going down that Very road, no. I would accidentally no. say Omniporn, and Omniporn. I don't. Ooh, Omniporn. I don't know what Omni, Omni is. Porn. Does that mean one? No, that's um, mono. Omni. I don't know. Omni. No. Mm. I don't know what it means. It, what, like it, the Latin root of it. Greek? Is it Greek? Okay. Let's look. Um. Omni. Me. Who apparently has an LGBTQ. All or every. Omnisexual, omniscient, pan green. Oh, so omniporn could be porn. pretty great. <laughs> That's All great. Porn. Omniporn. Okay. I saw huh. a new thing. All right, omniporn. So, you know yep. what? This works really great for queer folk. Hey, y'all. Omniporn. <laughs> yeah, omniporn. Don't think about the pandemic. Actually, if you are going to engage in producing this porn because it's all inclusive, you should probably get tested beforehand. But if you're watching it solo, like hell yeah, go for it. Omniporn. Omniporn. Omnihorn also sounds pretty uh, kinky. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Omnihorn. Omnihorny. <laughs> Omnihorny. That sounds like ah, me horny. Me horny, all me horny. Stacking up. Omni horny. Omni corn, all corn. All yes. corn. All corn. Which is all better corn. than just the corn that we have in the United States. I don't know if you know much about the corn industry, but mm-hmm. we have like one type of corn now that is used for everything batteries, food. Yeah, cattle feed. It's just yeah, uh, no good. I don't know, but it's making me think of cattle corn, which is like the best thing ever. Oh, see, I don't. I'm not big into kettle corn. No, no, really. <laughs> no, yeah, and no. popcorn is just like you know. I don't get why people like popcorn, and I know that's not a popular opinion, but I think you're all fooling yourselves. Popcorn hurts. <laughs> Like, it doesn't taste that great, and it just hurts. It's what you put on it that tastes good. And it's like, just put that on something else that doesn't cut up your mouth. You guys are... It does. It does hurt, but you know what? Like I said, kettle corn. It's sweet and amazing. You know what I discovered? But I totally agree. It does cut up your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I discovered when I was in college? At <laughs> when I, I went with, with a friend, and... Um, she told me to try, so we so put we lots put of lots butter of on it and jalapenos. Oh. Obviously, I was yeah. in Texas at the time. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think jalapenos would be a good additive, but yeah. I still I still Really messy. It. Really messy. Um, yeah, I'd rather just eat, I don't know, anything else, but I, I don't know. Twizzlers. Maybe I would eat Twizzlers. I liked the ones that pulled apart. That is a lot of childhood nostalgia for me. Those but. are good. I like pulling apart Twizzlers. I can eat an entire bag of Twizzlers before the movie starts. It's a problem. <laughs> like, I get my bag of Twizzlers. I'm, like, waiting for the previews to end. The movie starts, and I've eaten the whole bag, and I'm rubbing my belly. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And then I'm like, where's more Twizzlers? Yeah, I always had a hard time buying snacks at movie theaters because I, yeah, I can eat them during the trailers. The trailers, I think, are some of the best parts of the movies. 
And especially if you go to see a bad movie, um, I love watching trailers. Sometimes I'll just do that on Netflix and then... And then I'm done, and then I don't watch anything. I just watch the trailers. I think the um, trailers are a con. They yeah. get you in there to watch the trailers. And they're also there for everybody who shows up late. Give them a buffer. But yes. I but thoroughly enjoy them. Are, trailers are better than a movie yeah. sometimes. That's a sad day when that happens, but yeah, <laughs> it happens for sure. And you're like, I should have left an hour and a half ago. <laughs> should have left when the movie started. Um, no, what? But now uh, movies are so expensive. That'd be such a waste. I'm pretty much been watching most of my movies on Amazon and HBO Max. Mm, yeah, I haven't been to the theater since before the pandemic. So yeah, it's been a minute. But what is, we went into the theater, oh, like. A handful of weeks ago, and I went to see oh Encanto before it went came to to Disney. I saw Encanto. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet, but mm-hmm. that's also because I don't have a Disney Plus account. Yeah. I didn't see that. It was good. It was good. Like for what it was, it was good. Yeah, it was good. But I've been seeing most of my movies online. I did see The Matrix, the new Matrix. Oh, I listened to the Bechdel cast of the mm-hmm. old Matrix, and that kind of made me want to see the new one, but I'm I not don't going know. to spoil it for you, and I okay. and I don't want to give my review to anyone who has seen it or not seen <laughs> it. I don't want to give my review. You don't want to give it a I thumbs will... up or a thumbs down or a thumbs sideways? Um, thumbs sideways. Okay. Fair. I have mixed feelings. One, um, I, Keanu... Piano will always have a place in multiple parts of my body. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Yeah, not not just my heart. (laughs) He's a pretty um, cool guy, from what I hear, just in general, like a good person. Exactly. And And then, and he was he was um, on my walls as a kid, and (laughs) I, I. and the the girls were not on my walls because I could not put them on my walls, but Keanu was definitely on my walls. Nice. Oh, Keanu. Yeah, he's a good-looking oh, guy. And then yeah. he was in a movie, I don't know, It I think it was before the pandemic, but time warps, so I'm not sure when, but it had, it was Ali Wong, she did a movie, and mm-hmm. he was in it as himself. Yeah. And I think it took, like, how cool to play yourself and he made himself just look so bad he was like <laughs> an asshole and he had jealousy oh, and I think I saw that I and it was that. pretty funny and I was like wow <laughs> like good for you for playing yourself and being an asshole like I love that <laughs> no and that movie was funny it was okay I don't I wouldn't rewatch it but um and I don't even remember what it was called but he was in it, and so was Ali Wong, and I like both of them. He just seems like such a good guy, and with, like, chill, and, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, which I like him for that, and, you know, he's he's good looking. And, mm-hmm. and he reads a lot, apparently. That. So Yeah, he reads a lot, and he actually does a lot of work on his characters. Like, yeah. I just appreciate him. 
I just appreciate him. So I yeah. can't give him thumbs down for his movies. Like, it just can't do it. I <laughs> but a thumb I'd sideways. A thumb sideways, and I, it has to do with the script. Oh, that's a bummer. Because the original one was really well done. And apparently yeah. it was written by... Um, oh, maybe I'm getting this wrong, so I feel bad saying it. But two uh, transgender women, the original Matrix. Um, and... I wish I could remember their names. It's like the something sisters. But if, I mean, if anybody is listening to this, like, to listen to podcasts, which I assume you do, you should absolutely listen to the Bechdel cast. It is my favorite podcast. And their episode on the original Matrix. It's these two hilarious comedians. And they um, use the Bechdel test, if you know what that is as a launching off point to talk about uh, representation in film for minority uh, genders, which is pretty great. So That is very cool. <laughs> and it's a fun way to relive movies that you love without having to watch them. Um, and they will be like, oh, I love this movie, but it's really shitty for women or for transgender folks or this movie has a really cool trans allegory or none of that's there and they're talking about um austin powers and how shitty that movie is and having a lot of fun while they do it so that's actually really cool that's a a great recommendation thank you so much yeah i love it um that movie you're thinking about it's um always be my maybe yeah, that's right. Which um, is a lukewarm rom-com title, but still good. Ali Wong's uh, great. Yeah, it's um, Ali Wong. Um, there's someone else in it. It's yeah, um, the famous love interest, or the famous guy who is the love interest. Randall Park. Yeah. Ali Wong, Randall Park, who is freaking hysterically funny. Yeah, they're both I love, great. I love so. him. Yeah, Ali Wong. Ali Wong's funny when she does stand up. Yeah, She's her so stand up is awesome. Her stand up pregnant was funny. She has two of them. It's yeah, so good. she has two of them. Yeah, and of course, he on you. Yeah, on <laughs> you. Um, and there's like a few. There's a few other people who are kind of known. But yeah, so that's definitely that's something that people can check out. People want to check out. Um, I will. Um, I can tag it. I do it. it. I can tag it. I'll do it. I'll I'll tag Keanu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Sounds appropriate. Yeah. I'll tag him. Hey Keanu, I tagged you. <laughs> wink, wink, face. You're like, come on to my podcast, please. <laughs> wink, face. He can come on to my podcast, Keanu. Yeah, if you're listening. Yeah. Reach out to me, Long Hair Do Cares, my podcast, and we can talk about whatever you, you want to talk have, about. You do have beautiful hair. Oh, me or him? Him. Oh, I was like, I know, Thank I know you. it's have not you seen I know my hair. About, I, know, <laughs> I know it's about other things, but he does have like he does have nice hair. He has yeah. beautiful hair. He's got a lot of nice things. Assets. <laughs> He's got a lot of nice assets. <laughs> we're like supposed to talk about your story and we're, we're talking about okay. oh yeah do you want me to jump into that I can uh... yeah we can, we can do that we'll get there but 
from it's Keanu so to Keanu we're, to me. We're gonna Keanu yes. to you. I mean, what? I don't know if I can live up to his I, standard, but I mean, he does have really high standards. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> speaking speaking of podcasts, Georgie has a podcast. Yes. Um, we'll start with that. Mm, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's called Long Hair Do Care, and the title is supposed to be kind of a like riff off of the Long Hair Don't Care because I get stereotyped a lot as a hippie because I'm an environmentalist, I'm a feminist, I've done a lot of activism and advocacy work, and I do have long hair, and people are like, oh, you hippie, like long hair, don't care, and it's like, you know what? Like, fuck you. I am not a hippie. I don't like the negative connotation that comes with that. Hippies, I think, are stereotyped as very idealistic. You know, they love crystals and astrology. And um, I am more taking the approach of changing policy and doing, like, work on the ground. And there's no wrong way to be who you are, but I don't like being written off because I'm an environmentalist. Um, I have a like pretty good career that I'm passionate about. So the long hair do care is like, hey, I do care. And I also have long hair. <laughs> it's all about queer intersectional eco-feminist topics. I invite guests on. A lot of them are my friends, but they are passionate and knowledgeable about certain topics. There's one about um, like the master recycling program that's here in Salt Lake City. I'm in Salt Lake City, so a lot of my stuff is based around Utah. Um, I have one about hunting. I have one about beekeeping and then using that honey from beekeeping to make mead that you can drink. I just had an episode about SLC Rock Camp come out, or I guess it's Rock Camp SLC, which is a camp for teenagers who are minority gender identifying, and they go and they learn how to play an instrument, how to write a song, and they form a little band, and they perform, and it's building up their confidence, and it's seeing all these, like, powerful women and non-binary and transgender folks just, you know, thriving, and then they get a feed off of that, especially at an age where, as a girl, you are just starting to go through puberty, and you're learning where society wants to put you as a girl, or non-binary person, which society doesn't really have a place for you, and you're just supposed to be small, and you're supposed to be quiet, and you're supposed to just listen to what other people are doing, and this rock camp, like, it does the opposite, and it's really fun to hear Hillary McDaniel was my guest, and they're so passionate about it, so fun to hear different things like that. Um, and I've really enjoyed doing the podcast just to learn myself because I, though I'm a member of the queer community, I wouldn't say I'm like quote unquote, a professional queer or an academic queer. Like I don't know a lot of the philosophy behind it or I didn't. And I don't know, um, who coined a lot of these terms and who pushed these movements. You know, I know about Stonewall 
which happened over 50 years ago now, but that's, that's it. I don't know a lot more. And so being able to interview people about like the history of the word queer was really fun for me because I got to learn and then share it with everybody that listens. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit about my podcast. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think that like, as far as the term academic queer and you said academic queer and professional queer professional <laughs> queer i do um, have friends that identify as professional queers because they work okay. you know in the queer community and trying to right. represent and advocate for the queer community right um i think that the person themselves can actually provide the definition yeah you know, like, because, like, for instance, one person who define, defines themselves as professional queer, their definition can be completely different than someone else. So oh, for, for sure. Swimming yeah. is academic queer. So yeah, and like, that's so much fun for me to hear how different people um, explain what a professional or academic queer or a hunter or whatever it is that they are. Um, I hadn't really heard the term professional queer before I started my podcast, and um, now I know that I myself don't identify that way, um, but it's been fun. Right, yeah. I mean, because it's, it's very interesting that those terms exist. It, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, but that goes back to we're allowed to identify. Like, we're allowed Almost to make to, a new vocabulary to so make that a new we vocabulary. can identify ourselves as exactly. something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're making spaces where we can exist. Which We're making spaces, exactly. Yeah. We're making and I really spaces. enjoy that part of being in the queer community mm-hmm. is redefining what we are and how we move through the space and changing expectations and taking people out of their stereotypes, which is really hard and though... That is fun to talk about and discuss in the queer community. I also find it can be exhausting if you do it in a more heteronormative space. It's like when you're surrounded by a bunch of straight people and they're like, so tell us, like, what's the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality? And you're like, I don't, I'm not here to educate you. And like, you can look that up. <laughs> I, the, the pressure of your knowledge shouldn't be based on one person, me, who is queer. Like you should do your homework and then come ready for a discussion. Cause if you're just asking, um, likely you're going to take whatever I say and run with it and not think about the nuances and, uh, that's not what I always want to talk about <laughs> in spaces where it's not going to be a two-way discussion. It's just a one-way, um, I don't know, explanation with really weird and sometimes degrading questions. So, right. Well, I mean, you know, I'm on, on Instagram. There's a lot like people that I'm connected with the pages I'm connected with. There's so much explanation over what, like what, terms are yeah and those exist so people can look them up (laughs) they exist so like like pages like people are providing explanation of like like in this this is out of kindness but also just like education wise like they're providing explanation to the heteronormative community of what and it's just continual like i see it 
every day throughout the day what bisexual is what pansexual is what asexual is and like and then people are like also venting about how they're like sick of this or that but just the constant definition by the way it's exhausting to see yeah and i I think i've come no i think it's it depends where you are in your journey and how you understand yourself in relation to the queer community, whether you're queer or not, whether you're dating somebody queer or not. Um, but it depends on where you are and how exhausted you are. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, so I don't feel like I get a lot of that bombardment. But I've just come to define myself as queer, um, bisexual, pansexual, like arguably could be how I label myself, but I, I don't even want to think about, like, I don't feel the need to suss through why, which one of those is the best fit for me. It's like, no, I'm queer. I'm, I'm a polyamorous person. I'm attracted to people of all sorts of genders and it depends on the person. Um, there's so many different ways that I could classify what I am and why, but I think queer is a good one mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. It's a nice blanket statement. And then with, you know, with straight folks, if it comes up, it's like, yeah, I'm queer. And if they ask more about it, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't really, like, I'm just queer. That's that's it. Whereas if I say I'm bisexual or pansexual, then one, it gives them, like, an image in their head, which I don't want them to have, of, like, how I have sex with what type of human. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I don't want to explain what pansexual means to anybody. They're like, oh, you like pots and pans? And it's like, yeah, sure, run with it. I'm queer. So, No, it's none of their business, which is why I say I'm queer. I mean, because I'm, bi- I'm bisexual and queer. That's my business. Um, queer is a nice blanket statement to cover anything else outside of <laughs> yeah. bisexual that I feel that I am within myself. And, I- and so, like... I think that when, if I identify myself, you know, in general to people, like that's what I say, unless it gets intimate. Yeah. Like, unless, why yeah. do people need to know? They don't need to know. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know. Um, like, unless they're like your friends or you're dating or, or you're excited to talk about it. But just generally, I, you know, yeah, I'm not going to talk I- about other people's sexuality who are straight most likely so why should we discuss mine exactly of course i say it on here so anyone who's listening all my listeners will be like well i know what terry is (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, and i think that's fair i mean it's appropriate for this context so yeah it is it is so it will be that all my listeners will know my sexual identity (laughs) be like well i know terry since she was like really young really liked all, all genders and be like, yes, I did. Yes, yes, I did. And Everyone Keanu will know. <laughs> yes, and Keanu. Ooh, Keanu. Yes, Keanu Reeves was my favorite. I always liked, and I still do like Paul Bettany. Who? But, oh, oh, yeah. he is so good. He was just in a movie called Uncle Frank, and oh, really? it's all about like being queer in the South. So you should watch it. Oh, yeah. pretty good. 
Um, and he did such an excellent job in that. And in A Knight's Tale. He was probably the best yeah. actor in A Knight's Tale, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. He was so great. He, he was did, walking around naked. Yeah, it was so with good. His, with his white butt. Yep. Yep. It was yeah, good. That was I like funny. him a lot. Yeah. No, th- yeah. Yeah. I got favorites. I got, I got <laughs> me some favorites going yeah, on. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, we all do. We all do. Yeah, so, um... You talked about your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I know you were going to tell more about your story. Um, do you want to yeah. talk about how you got into um, environmentalism? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. Um, the thing that I still think about today, even though it happened when I was really young, is um, you had to have job assignments in sixth grade. And I looked at all the job assignments and I was like, well, I want to be the one that recycles the paper because I think this is very important. And I did not come from like a household of people who are environmentalists. They're good people. My parents are awesome. I love them. But they they weren't like environmentally aware or conscious because that's just not how it was in the 90s. Um, You just that wasn't a part of like mainstream conversations that were being had. And I was just like, Oh, I want to do this. And I got like the little job assignment and I started thinking about it. I was like, well, where does it go? And what happens to trash and all this stuff? And that got me really jazzed and excited. And then all those feelings were kind of stifled as I went through puberty and high school. And then I got to college and my plan was to become a doctor. I am not a doctor, but in becoming a doctor, I knew I had to volunteer a bunch. And at the time I was like, well, I hate kids, which is funny because I love kids. I worked at a high school for two years and a preschool. Um, But I was like, I don't like kids and I want to work outside. So I randomly found this one volunteer opportunity at the University of Utah where I was doing my undergrad. And it was the Edible Campus Gardens. And it was like my second week of my freshman year. Like, it was perfect for me to just land in that. I showed up in like a tube top and flip-flops and jeans and they told me what composting was and they were talking about all these really cool books about environmentalism and I was just kind of like wow how do you guys know about all this stuff and all these books and they're like oh well it's for this class and I was like what there's a class on this that's awesome what's the class and they're like well aren't you taking it it's one of the requirements for the environmental and sustainability studies program like the major and I was like what like that's amazing and in all of that too I you know was a freshman I didn't know how to talk to people I was 18 and so I asked folks are you going to the football game Um, I didn't like football but I didn't know what else to talk about and everyone there was like no we don't like football and I was just like these are my people (laughs) and from there I enrolled in that um, undergraduate degree, which was, again, environmental and sustainability studies. And now, if anybody's thinking about going to undergrad and 
the University of Utah, they've revamped and totally redone the program, and it's significantly better than it was when I went, which is, um, I'm a little begrudging about it, but I'm really excited that they have something like that, um, and it's such high quality. Um, but through that and through the gardens um, that I initially volunteered at, I ended up working there. And so volunteering and working there for a total of six years, which was my entire undergrad. And I learned about the food system. And that was what I was really passionate about for a long time. And so I graduated and worked for a nonprofit called Green Urban Lunchbox, uh, the program that I specifically did, even though they have six programs and they're all awesome. They're about getting really good food accessible to people who otherwise wouldn't have access to food. Um, and I was a fruit picker. People in the neighborhoods could register their tree with us. And then myself, the person who worked for Green Urban Lunchbox, and then a bunch of volunteers would go pick all the fruit. A third would go to the volunteers. A third would go to the homeowner and a third to hunger relief programs, which was really awesome. It was such a great opportunity. Um, and at that point, I was like, well, I kind of want to be a scientist. And I did some science as my undergrad. And I looked into different, I don't know, science-y jobs. And wildlife technician was the first thing that came up. And I thought that sounded so cool. I mean, if you just hear, hear it and you don't know what it is, wildlife technician sounds like a dope job. And so I applied to a bunch of places and I took the first offer I got, which to this day, I wonder what would have happened had I not done that. But it was right next to Lake Powell um, in Big Water, Utah at Wawweep State Fish Hatchery. And I worked <laughs> at a fish hatchery with three dudes. They're just like dude dudes, you know, white Protestant American dude, men. Dudes. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Dude, dudes. What are yeah. dude dudes? White Protestant American men? Yeah. What are just... non dude dudes? Is there another Ooh. type of dude? Yeah, but I don't know if I could classify them very well. Uh, these very um, guy dudes. I don't know how I should say it now. Um, yeah. <laughs> guy dudes. Straight white men um white men dudes white male dudes yeah and it was a fun experience because i was living in the desert in the middle of nowhere and uh, i saw coyotes every day like it was it was really cool and i could see the stars and i you know left home for a while to do the job um and i was like you know what i don't want to work in a field that is dominated by this culture and especially the Mormon culture in Utah. Um, the whole, it was part of the division of natural resources and man, is that like a good old boys Mormon club? Um, which is unfortunate because if more women were in there, I think that could change, but I don't want to be the first, I don't want to be the one that spearheads that because I wouldn't enjoy my time very much. Um, so came back to Salt Lake and, I always volunteer a bunch. I think everybody should volunteer. It's a great way to meet people. It's a great way to find out things that you love and learn and gain new skills. Um, big advocate for volunteering. And um, I 
do what I preach. I volunteer a lot. And through that, I started working for Utah Physicians for a Healthy Environment and um, the Utah Pride Center um, as their sustainability director. And kind of through all of that, um, I don't know, I just built my career on advocacy and activism for environmental social justice issues and um that is kind of what brought me to doing the podcast because um i've always really enjoyed being creative whether it's writing bad poetry sometimes it's good but most of the time it's bad or painting or drawing or you know i I want to be a creative person, and um, I also dated this really fun artist. Um, his name is Tanner, and he has a great YouTube channel for ex-Mormons called Zelf on the Shelf. So I guess shout out to you, Tanner. Yeah. Uh, he's a great, great human being, and that really inspired me to be more creative. And so I, you know, came to doing the podcast, um, and at the time... I was in a space where I wasn't quite happy where I was. And then, of course, the pandemic started. So um, I was telling Terry before this, the podcast is my pandemic passion project podcast. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's um, that was a long answer to how I got into environmentalism. But, but that's a great answer. You yeah, did answer and, it. <laughs> and I see it, like, it's just, it all intersects a lot for me, whether we're talking about environmentalism, feminism, uh, the queer community, or all the new movements. They're not new. Um, they are new to me, I have to admit. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Like, I actually learned a lot when 2020 hit. I had the time... Um, I was working with students who are people of color, and um, I had a really great opportunity to educate myself. And <laughs> I'm sad to say that didn't happen beforehand. Um, I think that is just such a fail of our system and my own curiosity. But since then, <laughs> I've been learning a lot, and this all it all comes together. Um, any injustice, whether it's an environmental injustice or racial or social, um, they intersect at some point. And if we can limit those and solve those issues i think we can move forward and have a higher quality of life for everybody and that's um (laughs) i think that's the ultimate goal right is for everybody to have a high quality of life yes yes i think it is it's a significant important goal but why should it not be everyone's goal yeah otherwise i feel like we're kind of living stagnantly yeah And if life can be better, if life can be whatever we want it to be, and certain people have a greater impact on what life is and how we shape it, um, but God, like, why not lift everybody up? And I know the answer to that is greed, (laughs) and we all want and we all need money, but damn, we could make things so much better. And uh, so maybe that is where my idealism comes in but um i don't know i try to approach it in a practical way 
Well, I mean, it sounds like it's something you're really passionate about, which is why you created the podcast. Yeah. Why yeah. you are getting your degree. I mean, that's your your master's degree or doctorate? Which one are you going uh, for? It's my master's as of, you know, December 2021. I have the opportunity to um, do a PhD um, either instead of or in addition to my master's. And they're like, yeah, we'll pay you to do it. And that's really exciting for me. But yeah, that's why I am currently doing a master's program in environment and society at Utah State University. So, because I want to change the world, like a lot of people. (laughs) That's very, I mean, that's very exciting. Because what did you get your undergrad in? Um, it's a long sentence, so bear with me, everybody. Uh, I <laughs> I double majored in environmental and sustainability studies with urban ecology, which is essentially sustainable city planning, and then I minored in multidisciplinary design, which is I basically learned the design process um, because it was only a minor. I didn't do the major because. I had already gone to school for long enough, but so environmental studies, urban planning and design. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then you narrowed it down going into grad school, what you'd like to actually yeah. concentrate on. Yeah. I enjoyed and am still interested in all the things that I studied in my undergrad, but um, I realized I didn't necessarily want to work for the city in a planning department. Like I, I didn't want to regulate zoning laws. That's not what I wanted to do. Um, even though probably would have paid well and it would have been a great career and I would have worked with incredible people. Um, I didn't want to do that. And then the design world seemed a little too, I don't know, uppity <laughs> for <Okay>. me. Um, <laughs> and environmentalism is my passion. That's what I've been passionate about since you know week two of undergrad so yeah well I wanted to do a little bit more science policy and social science with it and that's exactly what I'm doing so if you could name one significant thing like the most significant thing that's going on currently um in the world right now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the okay. most significant. I know it's probably like a hundred different things. Everything <laughs> going on in the world right now um, that is um, that your degree is applicable to that Oof. that is bugging you. <laughs> it's bugging you, like it just pisses you off. Or you want to do something with, um, like you just really want to do something with, but you. You're just not there yet, but you just really want to. Like, you want to get out in the world and just want to, like, ugh. Just want, you just want to get your teeth in. What is it? Yeah, well, um, ooh, I could go different ways with this because arguably everything is interconnected. So, um, <laughs> but I guess the, the first answer, most applicable answer is we really need to see large-scale policy change. Um, a lot of 
the tactic of a lot of companies when it comes to environmentalism is to put it on the consumer to take responsibility. This is true, especially with recycling, right? It's like, oh, you need to learn how to recycle. You need to put stuff in the right bin. You need to stop consuming this stuff. And it's like, no, if you are a giant corporation and you're producing products that come in packaging or they're supposed to be used as single-use disposable products, like, you need to take responsibility for that, and that comes with policy change. Um, so I think the plastic industry is on my mind because I just did a podcast episode about that. Y'all should listen to it. It's really good. It has my friend Macy Gustavus talking about microplastics. Um, but that's just one example. We also really do need to change our source of energy and one nice thing for me to think about that is um, a little bit more hopeful and heartwarming is that we actually do have solutions to our problems, to our environmental problems. There are solutions. The problem is uh, politicians and trying to implement it. I mean, you've seen how I think it's, oh, what's that one Democratic uh, Senator Minchin? Oh, I don't remember his name. Um, but because we have, you know, a 50-50 split of Democrats versus Republicans, this one guy... Oh, I wish I could remember his name. His last name is Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin. Ugh. Um, like From he's West getting, Virginia. Mm-hmm. His refusal uh-huh. to um, pass environmental policies is gonna affect the rest of humanity. Like moving forward, his noted as the most conservative Democrat in the Senate. Yeah, and gosh, he, he's he's really ruining it for our future. And it's really hard to see that this one man who really isn't a Democrat, like I, I guess he's not a Democrat in the way that we've become polarized. So it's interesting that he ran on that platform. And for me, it's like, oh, well, maybe some uh, more liberal folks should run as Republicans um, and see how that shakes out because that could have advantages but that's getting into why politics is so um so difficult and it's yeah he um he opposed the energy policies of obama mm -hmm. um including reductions and restrictions on coal mining yeah i mean that's a that was a really big deal um which isn't really uh very democratic behavior. That's hard because we have had opportunity after opportunity to build a system that is more sustainable. And like we're crawling our way there, which is great, but we need more and we need it to come from top down. A lot of stuff has happened bottom up, but at this point, you know, it's not enough. So making really big changes is totally possible. And even if you don't think that climate change is happening, or if you think that climate change is happening, but it's not because of, you know, human, human, it's not human caused. What's wrong with reducing the amount of pollution for people who are downwind 
of a power plant. Like those people are still breathing in that toxic air and they end up with all sorts of health problems and they're usually lower income folks and they can't afford it. So their quality of life is extremely uh, low and their livelihoods are negated by (laughs) these big companies. And, you know, it's not on any one individual. It's not on you, Terry, or any of your listeners to make sure they recycle everything, to make sure that they never drive and they only ride their bike and that their lifestyle is as sustainable as possible. Like taking those steps are important. Yeah. They are helpful. Yeah. But it, you know, it comes down to how the system is set up because I can bend backwards being as sustainable as I can. And that's one person and that's still good. But if the system made it so that you had to bend over backwards to be like recklessly unsustainable, that would be such a better thing to have. So changing policies, (laughs) that's, that's the thing that needs to happen and it needs to happen now. Um, it needed to happen yesterday. Um, but we're getting there and I have hope, especially after working with teenagers for a while that things will change. And, um, it's unfortunate that it's kind of always put on the current generation, the current upcoming generation. It's like, Oh, millennials for a long time. Like it's your responsibility to change the world. And it's like, fuck you for making it our responsibility like it's just as much your responsibility because you're alive and you're living here today um so yeah i would say policy change for environmental protections and how corporations take responsibility for their emissions and for the products that they produce that end up uh in our landfills in our oceans, in our streets, in our bodies. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think corporate America needs to change. (laughs) No. Yeah. I mean, I totally, I totally agree. We, we have like one earth. Yeah. We have one earth and we, with these resources, and um, we keep disrespecting it, and we do actually need to um, need to keep that in mind. That so many people are just really taking it for granted. The idea of like it's fine, climate change, climate change isn't, it's not real. Um, you know, it's not yeah. real. It's fine. Like it's what is it? It's it's fake news. Um, <laughs> and I think part of that is because it is such an overwhelming like, thing. It's an overwhelming thing, or like basically you can't see it. Like, yeah, I mean, like you can't really see it, or it's slow change. Like it's not really that big of a deal. Like you know what? I can breathe there. Like I can go to the ocean. Like it's yeah. not that big of a deal. Like there's not really that big of a change. And so people like if if nothing if if it's not an asteroid coming to Earth and <laughs> happening right now. Oh my gosh. Did you watch Don't Look Up? up. Oh my god. I watched (laughs) that yesterday and I was affected emotionally way more than I anticipated. But I'm really glad that angry. Well, I don't want to give away the end. I'm really glad that it ended the way it did because I'm sick of movies We're not uh, changing it up. I will just say that I was so angry 
did not finish the movie at bedtime because I was afraid that I was going to have murderous dreams about um, a bag over Meryl Streep's head. I know. I hated Meryl Streep so much. Which is so bad. She, and, she was a perfect her, villain. Yeah, and her son, son slash chief of staff. Oh, yeah, that was so perfect. And the fact that he was like, yeah, she's like the only president that you'd want to see on like Baywatch. And he's just like making all these like super weird sexual comments. It's like, this is perfect. Like, that's exactly what Trump did to Ivanka. Like, that is so, but that was really well done. I was so angry. I didn't, is this normal? Yeah. Is this a normal? I think it is. I angry. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, they they were expecting that. I think it's because the premise of the movie for people who haven't seen it is that there there are these two scientists and they find out that an asteroid is going to hit Earth in approximately six months, and they're trying to like alert society that like we need to take care of this this is a big issue it's happening and of course in today's world the way that they portrayed it unfolding it was spot on because we have social media and some people are like it's a hoax and some people are like it's not a hoax and i won't say any more about the movie beyond that but because that movie was so like spot on to what's happening today with a multitude of things, climate change being, I think, the main one. I think the asteroid is like the metaphor for climate change. Um, yeah. And like so. how it folds yeah. on social media and how different people reacted to it and like how greed comes into play. And, oh my gosh, greed, uh, politics. And it's like, oh my gosh, it makes me so angry because that is happening. Like, it's too soon <laughs> to see a movie like that. But the thing is, like, too soon is never going to go away. It's not like somebody died and then they came out with a funny movie about that person the next day. It's like, this yeah. is currently happening and yeah. that is terrifying. It's currently happening and it's it's happened before we know it. Like, yeah. I mean, that's that's what's scary. It's like that's the whole thing about like the six months. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's and I, I'm not gonna give things away, but it's interesting how they handle it. And I like, oh my gosh, like it is a really good movie. It has an all star cast. I oh, I got angry at Leonardo. I, I got angry at Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh um, uh, yeah, Manchet. I did too. <laughs> I, I like wanted to stab him. I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to suffocate. <laughs> I wanted to suffocate Meryl Streep. Oh my gosh, she was like I said, such a good villain. Yeah. She was so hilarious. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. She did a great job. <laughs> yeah. I, oh my gosh, so yeah, um, y'all should go watch it. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh my gosh, and then I felt bad for Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I felt bad for her. I didn't actually yeah. get mad with her. Yeah, she yeah, she was a good character. And it was really easy also to see how if that person were real, if that character were real, they would get written off as crazy. And oh, yeah. how oh, yeah. frustrating that would be. I mean, I think I get written off as crazy <laughs> sometimes for 
you know, being angry about the injustices in the world. And people are like, oh, that's just an angry human, an angry frustrated, like an angry feminist. And um, I don't know if anybody's actually called me that before. But I'm sure they have been like they've perceived that, and uh, I'm I'm not usually outwardly angry. Uh, I'm more just <laughs> internally frustrated, um, and I try to use that to motivate me. Um, yeah. Doesn't always work, but anyone who is passionate, who is trying to save people, who is empowered, yeah, um, can get written off as crazy. Um, yeah, I will say that. Since the pandemic has started, being able to connect with just, you know, heteronormative folks um, has been a lot easier, I think, because now we all have this collective trauma and experience and we're all talking more about mental health and like you know how have you held up through the pandemic and like how is your job how is your relationship because we know that these things are all threatened and that everybody's collective quality of life has gone down so we're connecting on that level and i do think that's why people in the queer community like unfortunately that's how a lot of people connect is like, oh, I know that you go through this experience of being, you know, talked down to, or there's bias against you, or you've lost opportunities, or you have felt unsafe or unwelcome. Like, I relate to that. And like, I'm fighting against that. And you're fighting against that. So we're both gonna like, love talking about a movie where like, they fuck the patriarchy. (laughs) And having that empathy and having that collective experience is really important. And just, you know, a lot of the straight community doesn't understand that they even need to educate themselves on that. And, I mean, yeah. I went through that with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, right. <laughs> I knew that things weren't good, but maybe that was the extent of it. And <laughs> then I was like, oh, shit, like, there's something that I really do need to know about if I'm going to live i mean in this country this world the state whatever you want to say um it's important to know that and uh, the queer experience is just as important um for people to learn about but i i guess i don't know if it is just as important but it's it falls in the same category of things that certain people don't have to think about and therefore it's not an issue and you can't people don't feel the need to understand and then you get othered and that's scary yeah well i think most a lot of people don't think about marginalized communities yeah um unless they are part of them i would say most people who are not part of a marginalized community do not often think about them in a nuanced way. Yes. Yes. And, you know, my practice works with marginalized communities because, well, I think about them. Yeah. Um, I think about them. And, you know, I was raised in South Texas where people don't think about them unless they are part of them, which means, which is a lot of the white folks don't think about them um, pretty much. Yeah, um, I, I'll say yeah. I probably wouldn't have had it not been for, like, me being queer and being part of the queer community. Like, 
Yeah. I easily could have been one of those people that just, it never came up. And yeah. I don't think that's because I'm a bad person. I don't think a lot of people who um, don't think about it are bad people. I think, again, it's the way that our system is set up so that we don't take on responsibility. Well, you know, I've talked about storytelling, and I'm sure I know you've you've heard my podcast, and I talk about storytelling a lot and how it's like, you know, very generational. Yeah, and it's not only it's how our system is set up, and there's sto- there's story in that how our system is set up, and also it's been passed down generational in families, right? And yeah. society, and just like, and how that's how we've learned. And so there's a lot of ignorance and a lot of denial and, you know, and then if the government then is supporting it, well, then we have a problem. Yep. So I, and and that's, in a lot of cases, the of government is supporting it. <laughs> yes. Yes. In a lot of cases, government is supporting it and, and maybe not the whole government. Cause you know, there is some fight back. Yeah. But, you know, right. Cause of and, and we have that's another thing. Like we can't just say, all politicians suck politicians, because right? that's also not that. a nuanced take. Like, that does not um, take into account a lot of people that are doing really fucking hard work, and they might be losing the battles, but they're um, still working really hard, and that's laying groundwork. So There's politicians who are fighting the the ignorance. There's people who are fighting the ignorance or and, and fighting that generational problem. Right? Yeah. And, you know, and we've seen it in elections and campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it, but, you know, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. It's a huge uphill battle. Yeah, and I think we'll get to a good place. I mean, there's always going to be people that we disagree with um, or that we think are evil. Um, there's not a lot of people <laughs> that I genuinely dislike and think are evil um but you know the first people that come up for me when i think about that are politicians i mean like right off the bat i would be like i i don't like those people but i think they are a product of the system i don't like they weren't told that everybody should be loved they weren't told that you know, they, they just weren't taught the same empathy that I was. And honestly, I don't think that makes them bad people. I think that makes our system bad. And I know there's going to be a lot of people disagree with this, and I do agree. Like, I agree with you. And, of yeah. course, I'm coming from, I'm a psychologist. So there yeah. have been many times that I said <laughs> I hate. There have been many, many times that I have said, especially in 2020, I hate those fucking assholes. Yep. I've said that, too, um, a lot. Yes, <laughs> I'll say it again. Yes. I, I said, I hope they are reincarnated as ants and then stomped on. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, a lot of people have really bad uh, wishes for those folks. I did. I did. But, but and that wasn't a very good Buddhist. <laughs> however, bad Terry. Um, however, <laughs> however, I totally do agree in my more calm state of December two thousand and twenty-one. Yep. Um, I <laughs> I do agree. <laughs> A year yeah. later, um, I do yeah. agree. Um, that I wish we are. Were, yeah. I wish for them not that they'll get, you know, all their legs 
all their legs, all their bones broken and eaten by wild cats. Like, I wish for them that they are able to learn, like, why what they did hurt people. And yeah. in learning that, they try to change. That's and they may not. what I can and hope they for everybody. You know? And, yeah, they... they I... I would put money, a lot of money, <laughs> down to say that Trump will never change. Um, and oh, that's God. unfortunate. And yeah. uh, it, it would it's be nice. so frustrating. Nice yeah. It's a really nice wish. I, that's a really wonderful wish for New Year's. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's really great. And that's really great. You can make that wish for the Chinese New Year, too. Um, <laughs> you might make that wish every day for you can everyone. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everyone's a product of generational story. And, you know, they're, everyone's a product of that and society and um, as well as their upbringing, right? And um, heck, even genetics, um, you know, and their experience. That's what we are. We're products. Um, but I, but, and we have the opportunity to learn and we have choices and decisions. And I think that that is what it has made, um, wonderful Trumpy and Pensy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, I definitely don't want to hang out with them. Um, no, um, and, people allowed to have imaginations. Yeah. Okay. And we are also all allowed to have anger as a reaction to things that are unjust and um it just depends on what we do with that if we spread negativity using that then um i don't know i think that also makes us the quote-unquote villain (laughs) Um, but you can be in your house and be like fuck trump fuck this fuck these new like repressive reproductive laws that are happening like fuck all of that so what is this is what i say folks if you get angry i recommend medication it's really wonderful (laughs) you can start with a minute a day vacation yes start with a minute a day you even if you don't last longer than that that's completely fine but see i meditate 30 minutes a day and it prevents me from actually carrying out my imaginative <laughs> things it's wonderful <laughs> so wonderful thing because yeah. i'm not a violent person i'm actually very calm i'm a very calm person <laughs> i would say i'm a very excited person um, <laughs> i'm not calm if you listen to my podcast and I start talking about things that I'm passionate about, I <laughs> I am too excited. I I have interrupted some people, which is inevitable in conversation generally. But whew, I, yeah, I'm not calm. I <laughs> I've got a lot inside me, so um, it's good that you can stay calm. <laughs> I think it's a good attribute. <laughs> meditation is the medication. Mm, yes. It's very yes. Well said. So, if you can say one thing, because we have to, we gotta, we gotta, yeah, we gotta wrap up. up. I just looked at the gotta, time. Gotta wrap it up. If you could say one thing that you'd like to leave the folks with, what would it be? Well, probably something cheesy about ha. being happy and really trying to. Uh, 
being happy and building the world around you in a way that increases your personal (laughs) quality of life and other people's. If you have the opportunity to do either of those things, you should take it. (laughs) Whether that is meditating, whether that is treating yourself and being really nice to yourself or whether that's being really nice to somebody else and not at the expense of yourself. Um, we can all just do a little bit to make ourselves happier because <laughs> we are our reality. Um, and I think you all deserve to be happy. Yes. And, you know, I think we can deserve some happiness and so do other people be kind to ourselves and others. There's nothing wrong with a little cheesiness. There's yeah. some really great cheeses in the world. Especially oh, French so cheese. Good. Goat cheese, my favorite. Cheese. Oh, I like so some good. aged cheese. Nothing wrong with some cheese. So, yeah. Not, not, <laughs> might might make you a little constipated, but nothing, nothing wrong yeah. with a little cheese. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, um, everyone, you can find um, Georgie on her podcast, um, yes. which is Long Hair Do Care. Mm-hmm. Um, which I believe you can find on, you can find it on Apple and Spotify, right? Um, you can find it now everywhere minus everywhere. Google Podcasts. Or no, okay. no, no, minus Pandora. So, but okay. I don't know so who not on podcast on Pandora. And you can follow me on Instagram at Podcast. I drop little images for every episode and it's really fun for me. Maybe the funnest part currently. Um, so at least follow me on Instagram. But yeah, listen to my show and I would love to have you as a listener. That's our show, folks. Um, be kind to each other, please. And you know what? Be safe because COVID is um, alive and spreading. Okay? Yes. Sometimes sharing is not caring. Okay? <laughs> That's okay? true. <laughs> COVID is not marijuana. We nope. don't want to share it. Okay? We don't want to share it. So wear your mask. And stay six feet away from people, okay? Unless you're doing, you know... Unless you're doing Omniporn. Unless you're making Omniporn. There you go. Unless you're making Omniporn. 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 Omniporn and Omniporn. You can make Omniporn and Omniporn, okay? Yeah, I think so. While you're doing it. Yep. Sounds great. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So otherwise, be safe. Okay. Again, <laughs> this is not something we want. Okay. So be safe. <laughs> be kind. <laughs> and that's our show. Bye, folks. Bye. Bye.